Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. Our Sunday services have now moved online and you can tune in every week for worship, prayer and our weekly sermon by going to christchurchlondon.org forward slash church hyphen at hyphen home. We're now going to hear the talk from this week's Church at Home service. Hey Sutton service, so as you may have gathered we're doing things a little bit differently today. Rather than having one talk that's sent to all our Christchurch London congregations, each of our services is taking a Sunday to address where their particular service is at. So a whole load of different sermons happening across Christchurch London today. If you are a Christchurch London geek, you may want to check them all out. You could watch them all back to back. In fact, if you have been suffering from insomnia during lockdown, that might sort you out. But uh, What I'm sharing today is particularly for our Sutton service, though in truth, the heart of the message, I think, has application for the broader church as well. Now, uh, most of you will probably be aware that uh, this Sunday, what we sometimes call Vision Sunday, is something that we do once a year. And 12 months ago, as we were building up to this Sunday, as I was praying about what to share in Sutton, uh, I really felt God speak to me and say that I was not to share vision for the next 12 months. I was not to paint a picture of what the future might look like for us. I'd love to say it's because God told me a global pandemic was coming. No, God did not say that. If only I had that kind of foresight. Uh, Instead, as I was praying, I felt instead I should lay out some of the foundations upon which we are building our community, which don't change whatever the future holds. And we looked at a passage in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6, the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I just drew out four different principles, a bit, if you like, like the four legs of a table. You need all four for it to be stable. And it's upon these four values that we are building everything else as we kind of build this Sutton community together. Now, I'm sure you all remember those four values. I'm sure you've listened to the talk. It's on the Sutton page on the website. I'm sure you've listened to it regularly. I'm sure you've meditated on it over breakfast. I'm sure you've prayed about the part that you have to play in it. But for the sake of anyone who's new, I thought I'd remind us of what those four values are. Value number one for us as a community is everybody is welcome. Jesus feeding the 5,000, he just looks at the masses and he wants to feed everyone. Same for us. This is a community where there is always, always, always room for one more. And in particular, we feel like we're to be a community for what I might term the hungry. The broken, the lonely, the hurting, those burnt or disillusioned by church in the past, those who feel painfully aware of their own brokenness and failings. Basically, if someone is aware of their own mistakes, of their own fallenness, they're going to feel right at home in our community. We're just a bunch of broken people working out how to follow Jesus. This is a community where everybody is welcome. Second value for us as a community is we want to see many, many, many people find faith in Jesus. Part of the meaning of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people, Jesus says, is it's not really about bread. This is symbolic of something far deeper. Jesus is like the spiritual bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Similarly for us, we're not simply a group of friends that meet together each week. No, we want to introduce many people to the life-transforming person of Jesus Christ, who meets more than simply our physical needs. He wants to feed our souls. Third value for us is we want to make disciples. What I love about Jesus in this miracle is he says to the disciples, you go feed the crowds. He doesn't do it all himself. He wants to include his followers too. Same for us. 
We are a community that's less about the leaders at the front and more about empowering every single person to walk into everything that God's got for them in the future. It's been interesting observing this over the last six months of lockdown as we've run our Alpha course online. Uh, most of you will be aware Alpha is the most brilliant introduction to the Christian faith. And two thirds of the way through the course, there's an introduction to the person of the Holy Spirit who helps us experience God, helps us encounter God, often takes what we're processing in our heads and roots it in our hearts. And there's a moment on the course where the course leader prays an ancient prayer, come Holy Spirit, meet with anybody who wants to meet with you right now. Man, I remember when I first led a room full of people in that prayer, I was so nervous. I was utterly convinced the Holy Spirit would never come if I asked him to come and meet with people because I'm just so sinful. God would never use someone like me. Well, over the last six months, we've not been able to run one big alpha course. Because of lockdown, we've had to run loads of smaller alpha courses. And I found it quite amusing watching many table leaders who are running alpha courses online get to the same moment I did. Andy, God's never going to use me in that moment. He might use you. You're paid by the church. He's never going to use someone like me. And I've actually found it very moving, watching person after person come back and report, wow, the Holy Spirit came and met with people when I prayed. God spoke to people through me. He led people to faith through me. God used me. And it's amazing knowing that God's not only produced fruit out there, but he's changed people's lives in here too. That's what it looks like to grow as a disciple of Jesus. Often it involves sweaty palms, dry mouth, heart racing, stepping out of our comfort zone. But oh, it's so amazing when you step out of your comfort zone and know kind of God come through. That's what it looks like to grow as a follower of Jesus. And we want that for everybody in our community. We want to see people grow into all that God's got for them in the future. And then the fourth value for us as a community is we are utterly reliant on the presence and power of God. Part of the point of this miracle by Jesus is it's a miracle by Jesus. He looks to the Father before multiplying the loaves and fishes and feeding the masses. Same for us, particularly at a time like this, we need to keep our eyes ever on the Father. Goodness, we need his presence and power. In fact, more than ever before, I've been praying for our community, God, give us your presence. Like This is what is to mark us out from any other group of people that might meet together. We are a community where everyone is welcome, where we want to see many people find faith in Jesus, where we want to make disciples, where everyone's got a part to play, and where we are utterly reliant on the presence and power of God. And to be honest, a global pandemic hasn't changed any of those values. Pandemic or no pandemic, we're going to continue to build on those values. So if our values haven't changed and we have no idea what the future holds, what on earth am I going to share today? Well, I want to read a little further into Mark's gospel and find out what happens next, because I think there's a really important lesson for our community, maybe even for our church. A couple of chapters later, after Mark 6, Jesus feeding the 5,000, he then feeds the 4,000 for very similar reasons, drawing very similar lessons out. And I want to pick up the passage just after Jesus feeds the 4,000 in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 11. This is what we read next. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. Now, let's just pause here for a moment. Uh, Sometimes when you read uh, Mark's gospel, it can seem like a load of disconnected stories put together. Miracle here, exchange with the Pharisees there, teaching moment there, another miracle. 
actually what Mark is doing in this chapter is putting seemingly different stories together very deliberately to make a broader point. And it's that broader point that we're going to examine today. So I use this line very deliberately. And this verse is not short in comic irony. The Pharisees come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you give us a sign? Straight after, Jesus has done an amazing sign. He's fed 4,000 people. And it's like the Pharisees have missed it completely. And we, the reader, are meant to think, Pharisees, are you blind? And I use that word deliberately, and we'll see why in a moment. Like, haven't you seen what Jesus has just done? In other words, the presence and power of God is at work right in their midst. And the Pharisees have missed it completely. Let's read what comes next. Mark chapter 8 and now down to verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Okay, another pause. What's going on in these verses? Well, Jesus is revealing that he's the bread that comes down from heaven to give life to the world. Like he's God in human form. He is the one that's going to meet our soul's deepest needs. And the Pharisees have missed this sign completely. And then Jesus says to his disciples, watch out for their yeast, will you? What is yeast? Well, yeast is that tiny organism in bread that infects the whole loaf and causes it to take its final shape. And if you read the other Gospels, it's made even clearer. Yeast in this context is the teaching. It's the faithlessness. It's the critical spirit. It's the, the negativity. It's the unbelief of the Pharisees, which if the disciples are not careful, is going to end up infecting them and shaping what they grow into in the future. The Pharisees have missed the side of Jesus. Jesus says, watch out. I don't want the same to happen to you. Do you still have eyes? to see and not see. In other words, the scary application from these verses is this. It is possible to be a follower of Jesus and be utterly blind to what God is doing in this moment. That's a scary prospect for me. It should be for all of us. So Jesus says, watch out for the yeast, guys. I don't want you to miss the life and power of God at work. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. And we can see the disciples don't fully understand this. They think it's it's just about physical bread. And then Jesus says, no, no, be very, very careful. And then next we come to what I think is one of the most interesting miracles in the whole of the Gospels. Because it seems like Jesus needs two attempts to heal a blind man. Well, what we'll go on to see is this. What happens to this blind man physically is what's happening to the disciples spiritually. And this can actually happen to all of us. So let's read what happens next. Let's pick Mark chapter 8 up at verse 22. They, that's Jesus and the disciples, came to Bethsaida. And some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? 
He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So what's happening in these verses? Jesus comes to a place called Bethsaida. He comes to this village and he meets a blind man and this blind man's friend said, Jesus, can you heal him? First thing Jesus does is he says, I'm going to lead you out of the village. Why does Mark include that line? Well, here's the reason. The village in question is a place called Bethsaida. And in the Gospels, Bethsaida is renowned for its lack of faith. In fact, if you read both Matthew and Luke's Gospel, Jesus even curses Bethsaida. He says, woe to you. Why? Because they have seen amazing miracles and they have missed the life and power of God at work. It is the yeast of the Pharisees all over again, and it has infected an entire village. And somehow this unbelief, somehow this faithlessness, it seems to hinder or limit the life and power of God at work. In fact, just a couple of chapters earlier, we read there's a, a village that Jesus cannot do many miracles in because of the lack of faith. And so what Jesus does is, he's like, you blind man, you have to get out of this atmosphere of unbelief. You have to get out of this atmosphere of faithlessness. So he leads him out of the village, then he prays for him, and the man can see a little bit, people like trees walking around. Then he prays again, and now the man can see clearly. And then Jesus says something very interesting. Go home, but don't even go back into the village. In other words, don't return to that atmosphere of negativity and unbelief. Because you might be able to see physically, but you will miss what God is doing spiritually. Don't even go back into the village. And then let's return to Mark chapter 8, because here's where kind of Mark builds to his crescendo. Because as I said earlier, what's happened to this blind man physically now happens to the disciples spiritually. This is what can happen to us. Verse 27, here's where we pick up the passage. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. What about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. In other words, these disciples, a few verses earlier, we're told, Jesus says, do you have eyes to see and not see? Do you still not understand? Now it's like they see clearly. Jesus says, who do you say I am? Well, over there, they think you're John the Baptist. Over there, Elijah. Over there, one of the prophets. What about you? Peter says, oh, you're the Messiah. You're the saviour of the world. I couldn't see clearly earlier. I was still following you, Jesus, but it was a bit like people walking around like trees. Now I see clearly. What's happened to the blind man physically has now happened to the disciples spiritually. Here's what Mark is getting at. Part of what he's saying as he puts these stories together is this. Don't let unbelief, lack of faith, negativity, a critical spirit, despair, fear, or any combination of those don't let it rob you of seeing the resurrection life and power of Jesus at work. Don't let it rob you of enjoying the joy and peace of soul and spiritual bread satisfaction that only Jesus can bring. Don't let the yeast of the Pharisees or the spirit of Bethsaida rob you of seeing God clearly. That's what Mark is getting at. Now, now why am, on earth am I sharing all of this for us as a community? Well, here's the reason. I really believe... Joy and I really believe with all our hearts that God has got some amazing stuff ahead for us as a community. 
He's given us some amazing promises. Some of you will remember uh, at the, the start of this year, 2020, we had a number of people get in touch with us. Uh, different services uh, who hadn't communicated with each other, who felt God had spoken to them unexpectedly for us as a community. You may remember one in Bethnal Green. I still don't know who this is. It was relayed to me secondhand. I uh, had a picture of some kind of stronghold being broken over the area and people running into church. I was like, I'll have some of that, please. Someone else was praying for us as a community and had what they described as a really extraordinary experience of the Holy Spirit and said, God's got some amazing breakthrough, some Holy Spirit breakthrough for you as a community. Somebody else had a picture of a shooting off like a rocket. I don't have time to name them all. And if you listen to those kind of pictures, those prophetic moments, uh, others that you might remember as well, and you think, oh, I'm not sure. Well, think of the promises God's given us in this book. John chapter 16, God says, Jesus says to his followers, I'm going to give you joy that no one else can take away. Doesn't it feel like our world needs some joy that no one else can take away right now? I'm going to give you peace that lasts, says Jesus, a sense of calling and purpose, access, unbelievable access to the Father, a sense of God's love through the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And again, I don't have time to name them all. God is at work. Jesus will be at work. There is spiritual bread on offer for us as a community. But we need to watch out for the yeast. We need to watch out for the spirit of Bethsaida because God could be at work and there's a danger. We could miss it completely. If I've observed one thing from COVID-19 over the last six months in my own heart, if not anybody else's, it, it's a danger of my thinking going unhealthily inward, focusing on me and my life and my family and my future rather than the expansive nature of Jesus's kingdom. I need to watch out for the yeast. The spirit of Bethsaida, of being robbed of faith and missing all that God is doing right now and all that God's doing in the future. So let me finish by addressing this. How do we avoid the yeast? How do we keep our hearts full of faith? How do we avoid the spirit of Bethsaida? I want to suggest three very simple things. The first is this. We need to get out of the village. We need to get out of the village. What do I mean by that? Well, if you are anything like me, Sometimes I, I watch the news, I scroll through social, social media. Sometimes I even talk to other people. It's like my heart is just left empty and drained of faith. It's like my thinking just, just goes inward rather than looking at all that God is doing. Do you ever relate to that? If we are not convinced of God's love for us, of the unique call on our lives, of the fact that even though there are restrictions everywhere because of a global pandemic right now, that still yet God is very much at work. If, if we're not convinced of all of that, we need to get out of the village. Anything we're filling our minds with or voices we're listening to that are robbing us of faith and confidence in God, we just need to get away from that now. We need to cut that out. Maybe for some of us, it's time to stop listening to the voices that say we are not good enough and God doesn't have an amazing future for us. We have to get out of the village. Second thing we need to do is we need to get in front of Jesus. For this blind man to see what happened to him can happen to us spiritually. It's not enough to get out of Bethsaida. He's got to get in front of Jesus. Same for us. It is vitally important we don't neglect things like the Bible and prayer and church community. Talking with others who lift us higher and point us to all that God is doing. We need to get out of the village. 
we need to get in front of Jesus. And then thirdly, we need to make sure we don't go back into the village. That we make a decision in here. I will not return to patterns of thinking that are robbing me of faith, that are causing me to be seeped in unbelief. What might this look like for us? Well, allow me to share vulnerably for a moment. A few weeks ago, end of the summer, start of the autumn term, I just had a, a week unexpectedly where I just felt really low. I was down on myself. I was down on the future. I felt wholly inadequate and it was just pretty negative about anything and everything. I mean, you know, one of those weeks where Joy would come to me and say, hey, Andy, it's Bank Holiday Monday on Monday. Yay. And I'm like, oh, it'll probably rain. And, you know, you ever experienced a week like that? I was like living in the village, so to speak. And I'm like, I've got to sort myself out. I could feel my negativity affecting my family, those around me, the way I was leading. I'm like, I've got to get out of the village and get in front of Jesus. So the way it worked for me is I went off to the country, just me, Jesus, and the dog in this case. And I just spent a, a good amount of time like praying, worshipping, listening to the Holy Spirit, meditating on God's goodness. And over those few hours, it was literally like Jesus led me slowly and steadily and very gently out of the village. By the end of getting in front of Jesus, it was like I could see clearly. I was like, I'm the king of the world. Freedom, like Braveheart, like Leo on Titanic. I'm like, God's going to just change the world for us. I was like, I was just so confident in him. I worshipped all the way home. And I got home, I was like, oh, joy, Jesus led me out of the village. And I kind of talked her through all this. And, and like she was overjoyed, as uh, of course she would be. Well, a short while later, uh, there was an unexpected challenge for family Tilsley. And the roles were reversed. Like, we couldn't fix this challenge, but this time it was joy that was a bit down and negative. And so we talked about it. I knew I couldn't fix it. And I, I could feel the, the life, the faith draining from my body. Like, oh, maybe the future isn't good. Like maybe we can't trust in God. And in the middle of the conversation, I ended up looking Joy in the eye because I talked her through all of this. And I just said, Joy, do not take me back into the village. I don't know, maybe this could be a catchphrase for our service over the next year. You're having a conversation that's robbing you of faith. You got my permission to look him in the eye and say, don't take me back into the village. Don't, don't live in the village anymore. Now, a pastoral caveat, um, how you say this is very important. Tone of voice love gentleness kindness i didn't quite get that right and we talked about that too but interestingly even though i didn't quite tone it all right it did wonders for my heart in here because it was like i am making a decision that i am not going to return to a place of unbelief i can't fix this i don't have all the answers but i am going to trust in god that, that that's life outside the village there's a song I've been playing repeatedly uh, recently. It's called Valley. I imagine most of you know it. And there's this, there's this line in it. I won't sing it. That would be bad news. But it says this. I can't see it all. But I have seen enough to know you are faithful. That's life outside the village. So with all that said, what's this next year going to be about for us as a service? Well, firstly, we're going to continue to build on those foundations that I outlined earlier. Everybody is welcome. Can't wait to see who joins our church family over the next year. We're going to work and pray to see many find faith in Jesus. I can't wait to see lives transformed. We're going to make disciples. We've all got a contribution. And are oh, we going to keep on asking God for more of his presence? But then here's the other thing we're going to do over the next year. We're going to believe God. 
We are going to trust in him. We're going to live outside the village. What does that look like? It looks like coming to church on Sunday or tuning in online thinking, I can't wait to see what God's going to do today. It looks like coming to Connect Group on Wednesday evening, like, oh, not, oh, Connect Group again this week. Like, no, I've got to be there because I know God's going to meet with me. I know God's going to speak to me. Life outside the village looks like I'm going to invite my friend to Alpha. Because yes, they might say no, but goodness, they might say yes and have their life transformed. We are going to believe God. I want us to be a community that's just soaked, not in the yeast of the Pharisees, not in the spirit of Bethsaida, but in this childlike confidence in God. I have no idea what the next 12 months will bring. It looks like face masks and social distancing are here to stay for the next while. But in the midst of it all, we are to have confidence in Jesus, that he is still building his church, that he has a unique call, not just on each of our lives individually, but on us as a community. And I cannot wait to see what happens. And so I want to pray for us now. I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and meet with us. Before I pray right now, you might want to be making a decision in your own heart. God, lead me out of Bethsaida. Help me watch out for the yeast. You might want to be making a decision in your heart. I don't want to go back to the village. I don't have the answer to the challenges I'm facing right now or the challenges in our community, the challenges in our city, our nation and our world, but I'm going to trust in you. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit meets with each of us and with us as a community. And the fruit is, though we don't have all the answers, we trust in him. So let's pray together now. Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to come and fill us afresh. I want to confess, we want to confess where the yeast has infected our lives and robbed us of faith and confidence in God. I want to pray that anything that's not of you, fear, unbelief, negativity, may it just be gone now in Jesus' name and may it be replaced with confident, robust faith in Jesus Christ and his resurrection power. That the one who miraculously fed 5,000 people is in our midst right now. Fill us with that faith, I pray. And may the fruit of this prayer be that each of us look to the future with optimism, with confidence. Not idle wish dreaming, but this kind of resilient certainty that Jesus is with us. And if he is with us, who can be against us? I want to pray that we'd be like an anchor for our local community. In the midst of all the trials and troubles of our world right now, people would look to us and say, wow, they're stable. I want what they've got. And if we build on these values, may we see many join us, many find faith. May we all grow as disciples. And oh God, would you give us your presence? Come Holy Spirit. Get us out of the village. Get us in front of Jesus and keep us there, I pray. I ask this in your name and for your glory. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this talk from the Christchurch London podcast. To hear other talks or find out more about our Sunday services, head to ChristchurchLondon.org.